Welcome to the Josh Blair Ministry Podcast, a podcast all about bringing inspiration and encouragement to your daily walk with Jesus. We pray the message you hear impacts you as you follow Christ. Well, I want to say good morning and happy Sunday before Father's Day Sunday. Just want to throw that out there, those of you who are not fathers but you know one. You got a big day coming up. Father's Day. Just a, just a little hint. I just want to throw a little, just, to, just in case you forgot that Father's Day is coming up, I want to put it out there. Um, so happy, happy Sunday before Father's Day Sunday. We've got uh, a lot of things in store for, for next Sunday as well. So if you've got a dad in your life, we would encourage you to have him be here so that we can celebrate the fathers next Sunday. But this Sunday, we're continuing in our series, Living and Looking Like Jesus, going through the book of James. And how many of you were with us last Sunday? As we kicked off chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, looking at how God calls us to stay faithful in the fire of life. How to, how to stay faithful through the trials of life. And if you didn't hear that, I would encourage you to go back listen to either the podcast or pull it up on Facebook and watch that uh, so that you can stay up to date through this series. But we're actually moving through chapter 1. We're still in chapter 1 this morning with the goal in mind of what it means to look like and live like Jesus. That's what we're trying to answer throughout this entire series and asking the Lord to reveal to us what His Word says to us about becoming more like Christ. So as we jump into the Word this morning, let's pray together. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes with me so we can pray. We ask Jesus again that God, You would speak Your Word to us. We ask Holy Spirit that Your words would speak through me, not my words, but Yours to our hearts God, to receive encouragement, to receive correction, to receive even conviction, God, where areas we've missed it so that we can come back on track because you love us so much, you desire for us to have abundant life. So, Father, we find it in you, Jesus, and we submit our hearts to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you know something in my almost 35 years of life? I know, shocker, I'm not yet 35, but the gray hair would say otherwise. But uh, what I've discovered about myself in almost 35 years is that I love sweets. I don't know. It took me so long to figure it out. But I, I love chocolate. I love candy. Did anybody else love chocolate and candy and sweet, sweet things? Yeah, I just discovered that about myself. Um, I should have caught on a little sooner, but I didn't. And what I've discovered about it, my desire for sweets overrides really any other desire that I have, uh, especially when it comes to the desire to be healthy. I would much rather have sweets than to eat healthy things, right? Anybody else? Come on, somebody. That's where I want to say the amens right there. We love the sweets. And, and we love, I love that desire, but what's even more scary to me is how I can convince myself that sweets are actually good for me. That's, what, that's what's the scary part of it. How, how I convince, convince myself that Sour Patch Kids are actually nutritious, I don't know. I just, somehow I can convince myself that it's good for me, and it's, it's, that's frightening. I should, not, I should know better that chocolate, you know, I'll eat chocolate, it's like, there's health benefits to it. It's not dark chocolate, it's just like milk chocolate full of sugar, but I'm like, I'm getting healthy, this is good for me. That's a problem. But I've discovered that for some reason, somehow, I have this sweet tooth that I can convince myself that it's good. I really kind of blame the Blair side of my family, really. Um, anytime that we gather together, whatever meal that we have, we always have dessert afterwards. Always. You can ask my dad. You can ask my wife, my mom. Anytime we, it's like we have breakfast. Okay, but what about dessert? You know what I mean? It's just like, why do we, <laughs> we just love it so much. And, and it becomes a part of who we are and what we do. And, and I've decided that, uh, that sweets 
really have a big hold of my life and I can convince myself that it's good for me, that I need it really every day. And uh, pray for me, really, is what I need you to do. I need you to pray for me that uh, we can overcome that. Because I think that our desires in life often, the things that we desire the most are kind of the, the worst things for us. Would you agree? Sometimes the things that we want the most are actually the worst things that we could want for our lives. The desires are so strong sometimes that they can consume our minds and consume our actions. And it's the worst, the worst part of it is we can convince ourselves that our desires are really good for us. In fact, in our society today, that's where we live. We live in a society that says your desire, what you feel, what you want is actually the best thing for you. And in reality, those things are not the best things for us. But we've convinced ourselves that the things we want are actually the most beneficial. But the Word of God, thank the Lord for His Word because it confronts that very thing in our society today. That the best things for us are not necessarily the things that we most desire. I think it's easy sometimes that we are so deceived, we could even say that, that if I would just, if we're looking at a desire, if I would just act on this desire, then I would be satisfied. Then I would be at peace then I would feel accepted, or then I would feel comfortable. If this thing would just happen in my life, then I would feel fulfilled. Does that sound familiar today at all in our society? If this would happen, if I would just be this way, then I would be okay. If I could just have this one thing, then my life would all work out. But the sad truth is that our natural desires really do nothing to bring life fulfillment in us. They really don't do anything to give us a purpose and fulfillment in life. But here's the good news. There is something that can bring life and fulfillment to us. There is something. As we get to that this morning, I want to tackle some of this idea of our natural desires and really they're not good for us because I think we need to spend a little bit of time there because our society has so ingrained us that to do what feels right, to do what feels good, that we have to confront it head on. So looking at James chapter 1, starting in verse 13, says this, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Now we've covered this portion already in the last series that we went through, Praying Powerful Prayers. So if you didn't hear that series, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. But it's important to note that God does not tempt us. He doesn't lead us into temptation. He's actually drawing us away from temptation. And when we pray that prayer, when Jesus said, lead us not into temptation, he's telling us, basically, God, make sure that I don't give in to temptation. And James is reiterating that. God does not lead you into temptation. So when you are feeling tempted, it does not come from God. Where does it come from? Let's read. It says this in verse 14. But it's each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. You are tempted by what you desire. That makes sense, doesn't it? Something that, something that tempts you uh, cannot tempt you unless you want it first. Yes? So temptation does not come from an outward source. It comes from an inward source. So if that's the case, our desires are not good for us because they could potentially lead us into temptation. Amen? Amen. Are you following with me? Then he says, verse 15, Then when desire, when it is conceived or when it is acted on, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Verse 16 says, Do not be conceived, do not be conceived, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. 
This, this title of this message this morning is Do Not Be Deceived. James says it over and over again through this section of Scripture. It's important to us to highlight that we can easily be deceived as people. Do you agree? We are easily deceived as people. And this is what I want to focus on in this section. That desires, now I'm not saying that all desires are bad desires. Some desires are good, but the means by which we try to gain those desires or meet those desires can become bad for us. You know, like, can, I, can I just say this? That, that uh, desiring to be intimate, to have sex, is not a bad thing. Would you agree? All the, hopefully all the men would say yes, amen. But outside the context of what God has created it to be done right in, it can be bad for us. It, it destroys us from the inside out. So, so desires are not bad. By, by, by the means we try to fulfill those desires outside of God's will, will destroy us. How do I know this? Because Jesus was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days. For Jesus to be tempted, he had to have desires. He was human, right? That's not, that should not be contrary to your understanding of who Jesus is, fully God, fully man. His fully man side, fully humanity side, had desires in himself that he, did, that he wanted, and the enemy used those desires to tempt him. What were the things that the enemy tempted him with? First one was food. Why would he be desiring food? Because he was hungry. He had spent 40 days in the desert not eating anything. Would that make you hungry? I'm hungry right now. I ate five minutes ago. So Jesus, so what the beautiful thing about what Jesus did when he went into the desert and he faced these temptations, he confronted the areas of our lives that we all are confronted with. The temptations, three temptations, were, were the things that addressed the three things that we all wrestle with. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Jesus, being, being human, was not, was not uh, void of these desires. He had them as well because he wanted to show if he could overcome it, then so can we. His lust of the flesh was hunger. He desired something in his body but said, I will not do it the wrong way. I'll do it the right way. And he showed you that if he can overcome hunger so that he can continue to please God, then you can overcome whatever your body is craving so that you can please God. Can I get an amen? amen. The lust of the eyes. You know, Jesus wanted, the enemy took him to the pinnacle of the temple and said, throw yourself down and the angels will catch you. He used scripture against him. And he was, he, the whole point of that was the, the lust of the eyes. Jesus had the desire for the people of Israel to know him as their king to know them as their Savior. And, of course, if he's at the pinnacle of the temple, all the religious leaders and the people in Jerusalem would have been able to see him and to throw himself down and be caught by angels. Then, you, how many would you know? They would recognize something's different, right? So he had the desire for the, the people, of God, people of God to know who he was, but he wouldn't do it that way. He wasn't going to shortcut the process because he wanted to do it the way that God had laid it out for him. Then the pride of life, the enemy comes and takes him onto the, show, to the pinnacle of a mountain and shows him all the nations of the world and says, you can have authority over all of them. They'll all worship you as your king, but you have to worship me. And he says, that is his desire, that the whole world would know him. That is a good desire. But he wasn't going to circumvent the cross to try to make an easy route for himself. He said, I won't do it. They will worship me one day. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. But it's not going to happen this way. It's not going to happen the way the enemy wants it to happen. So not every desire is bad, but by the means by which you try to fulfill that desire will lead you into sin. That's what James is saying. 
So you might have good desires. You might have good desires to provide for your family, good desires to be married, good desires to have children, whatever your desire may be. But if your desire rules your life to where the point is you desire to follow that more than you desire to follow God, that desire is corrupting you. Is that making sense at all to anybody this morning? There are stuff that's inside of you that you're wanting, but if that want is met by anything else other than God, that desire will consume you. I think that all, I think most of our desires are pure at heart. I think that when people get into trouble is because they're trying to fulfill all of those desires in every, every other way besides God. And that's where we fail. And that's where when we act on those desires outside the will of God, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, kills us. Amen. Amen. That's what James is telling us. He's reminding us. So my first point this morning is to not be deceived. This is our theme. Do not be deceived by your desires. Don't be deceived by your desires. But instead, submit them to God. Whatever you desire in life, submit it to God. Ask Him, what is it that you want from my life? How can I, I, I have this desire, but I want to submit it to you first. I want to make sure I, I give it over to you so that I don't go to try to fulfill it every other way besides the way you want me to fulfill it. Desire can lead to sin if we do it any other way outside the will of God. My challenge for us this morning would not be to allow our feelings to dictate our actions or think that we can make things happen for ourselves. The biggest concern that I think James has in this scripture and is the biggest concern for us is that we think our desires will make us happy. We think that our desires will give us good things. But James reminds us in verse 17 that every good thing, every good and perfect gift actually come from God. So you don't have to go out there and try to fulfill something outside of God because if you want good things in your life, you just turn to Him and He gives it to you. It's not something... When we try to fulfill our own desires in our own selves, we think that He's not so good. So we have to go make good things happen for ourselves. And this is no longer... This is so much more prevalent when we are going through trial. We forget how how good God is. We remember how good God is when life is good. When things are going well, we, we can remember, oh yeah, God has blessed me, I am blessed, I'm highly favored. We use those kind of language. But then when all hell breaks loose, we're like, I guess God changed his mind. We live that way. We might not say it with our lips, but we know it in our hearts. And James is trying to remind us that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. What does that mean? It means that he's not changing his nature. He is good. He's always been good. He'll always be good. So no matter what area you find yourself in, you can trust that God is good. He's not going to change his mind. He's not going to decide one day that he's angry and hateful and spiteful towards, towards us. No, he's always good. And the beautiful picture of his goodness is the fact that he gave his son Jesus for us. There is no greater gift that he could give besides his one and only son. So when you're going through trials or situations in life when things are not working out, be reminded that you have the best gift that you could ever be given through the Son, Jesus. If you have Jesus, you have the goodness of God. Can I say that again? Are you following me today? Are you with me? If you have the goodness of God, you have Jesus. You have Jesus, you have the goodness of God. 
So you don't need to go out and try to find something or make something happen for yourself. Trust in the Lord. Submit your heart to Him. This is what it says that in verse 18, it was His will that He brought us forth by the word of truth, the word of truth being the Son of God, Jesus, that we should be the kind of first fruits of His creation. We should belong to Him. It was His will to create you. You were not a mistake. You are not a mistake. Your life is not a mistake. You are not living without purpose. You have purpose because the one who gives life purpose, who created you in the first place. It was His will, His desire, that you would be created and know Him. And in return, He would have life for you every day. He would give it to you. He would do this for you. And no matter what's going on in your life, you have to hold on to the essential truth that God has given you the best gift that you could ever have through His Son, Jesus. I don't know whatever more evidence that we need to recognize that God is good and loving and powerful and faithful to us besides the gift of His Son, Christ. It would tell us that no matter how dark our circumstances might be in a moment, nothing can change the enormous good gift that God has given to us in Jesus. So my second point for us this morning is don't be deceived by circumstances. Don't be, don't be deceived by what's happening in your life right now in this moment. If, we don't, if we're not allowing our feelings to dictate how we respond, sometimes we allow what's happening on the outside to dictate how we respond. We allow circumstances and situations to, to, to skew our view of God and His goodness. And James would tell us, not only are your desires deceiving you and can cause you to turn away from God to pursue them, but the circumstances you are in life can also confuse you and make you think that God is not for you, that make you think that God does not love you and that God is not good. So instead of being deceived by our circumstances, trust in God's goodness. Trust in God's goodness. Things might be not looking so good for you in the moment, but God is the giver of every good gift and perfect gift. So if you hold on to Him, you will receive the goodness of God in your life. Jumping down to verse 19, it says this, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I can think of no other pair of verses that highlight where we are as a society today. Everyone's angry. No one's listening. Everyone's shouting. Yes? Everyone's angry. Everyone's protesting something. No one wants to hear what anybody else has to say because we would be offended maybe by the words you have to speak. No one wants to listen. We find ourselves in a situation in our society where where nothing is getting done because, because everyone's angry and not listening to each other. But what does that produce? It produces nothing. Especially as believers, everybody, we, we we're so angry with how society is happening, what, where we're going as a people, that people are getting angry, they're posting things, they're shouting at each other, but nothing produces the righteousness of God when it is angry. That's what James says, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Our anger does not produce anything 
that brings substantial change in our society. In fact, it produces nothing of God. Instead, we're instructed to listen, to shut our mouths, and not grow angry. That's a difficult thing to do, especially when we feel like everything is out of sorts and people are just crazy. But could you imagine that if people would just stop and listen to each other, listen to what they have to say without the anger? There's so many people that are so afraid of being offended by someone else's words that they won't even listen to it. It's crazy. We don't know how to even have open debate anymore. We don't know how to say, hey, good idea. I disagree. No, we'll get shot for stuff like that now. It's crazy. We can't disagree with anybody anymore. And James says, hey, that's not going to produce anything of God in our society when we don't know how to have open dialogue, how to listen, respect each other, and not grow angry. In fact, this is what James says when people are angry and they're kind of shouting each other down. He says, therefore, verse 21, therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. It reminds me of the parable that Jesus said that before you remove the speck out of your brother's eye, remove the plank out of your own. So many people think they have the moral high ground. They sit on their high horse and they're trying to tell everybody else, this is how it should be. This is what's right. This is what's wrong. James says, when you continue to do that, you actually, you, you, you neglect the fact that you're filthy and that you're wicked and we all need a Savior and no one has the moral high ground but Jesus. And when we walk around thinking that we are better than others, that we have a better platform than others, then all we are doing is neglecting the fact that we are sinful people in the first place. And in fact, he says, no, if you want to receive the implanted word of God that transforms your lives, you have to do it with humility. With meekness, that's what meekness means, humility. You have to say, I may not know everything. I might know, I might feel like I know the right answer, but I have to still submit myself to God. I still have to bow my knee to Him. I am not the moral high ground. He is. I just serve Him. I'm not here to dictate to you how you should live and what you should do. I dictate to you that I would only thing say to you is trust the Lord, turn to Him, bow your knee to Him and allow Him to speak to your hearts. Because me trying to convince you of where you're wrong and you're trying to convince me where I'm wrong, we're not going to move anywhere. There will be no common ground. But it's only in submitting to the Word of God implanted in our hearts by our Heavenly Father, receiving it with humility, that we can have anything that changes in our society. And as believers, people who say, I want to know what it means to look like and to live like Jesus, this is a great verse for us. Jesus did not go around shouting and growing angry. I mean, he got, he got frustrated at times, but he didn't live his life that way. He allowed people to come near him that disagreed with him, and he would talk to him, and obviously he would say, hey, you're a brood of vipers because you're all crazy. But he would tell them, let's talk about it. We want to live like Jesus. We need to be people who are walk in humility, submitted to the implanted word of God in our lives. All the anger, all the shouting only causes us to neglect the fact that we ourselves are still in need of a Savior. Who knew that a letter written nearly 2,000 years ago would speak to the very place that we're in in our society today? And finally, James says in verse 22, this is the highlight of when anybody talks about the book of James, these are the verses they kind of point to. 
It says this, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being not a hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. For James, the book of James, faith and action are done in one breath. We, for some reason, believe that we can believe in God and not do what He calls us to do. James says you don't, it doesn't work that way. You say you have faith, well then do something about it. But don't say you have faith in God. Well, I go to church, I, you know, I believe, but, but there's no evidence in your life. James would say you don't have faith. You want to be a believer, do what Jesus says to do. Do what Jesus says to do. If not, you deceive yourself. You lie to yourself thinking that you're all right when you're not. You're not. Just because James would say you hear the truth doesn't mean you have received the truth. Just because you go to church does not mean you have accepted Christ. To receive it, you actually have to act on it. This is what hearers only do. This is, if, you, if you're only a hearer, this is how you live. You go to church on a Sunday. You say, oh, that was a good message, but you don't do anything about it throughout the week. That's a hearer, not a doer. A hearer takes no action at all. A hearer hears a message on serving, but won't serve. A hearer hears a message on giving, but won't give. A hearer hears a message on loving, but won't love. A hearer hears a message on encouraging, but doesn't encourage. Instead, they gossip, they backbite, they slander each other. That's what a hearer does. Jesus says we need to be doers of the word, not just hearers. You hear a message, you apply it. That's what you do. You hear messages of importance about being in community, and you try to do Jesus solo. You try to follow Christ on your own. It doesn't work that way. And James would say, you are deceiving yourselves if you think that you are a follower of Jesus, but you don't follow. That makes no sense. Is that a heavy word this morning? Is it a convicting word this morning? Good, because that's the purpose of James. He wants us to live and look like Jesus. And if we don't follow Jesus, we don't live like Jesus. If we don't follow Jesus, we don't look like Jesus. And this is the call of believers. To call yourself a Christian is to say, I am Christ-like. Not that you're perfect, but you are striving to be more like Christ. We do it through doing. That's easy. How do you begin to become a doer? You do. You do. You don't have to be an expert in the Word of God. Your prayer life doesn't have to be hours a day. You just have to begin to do. You read the Word of God, you say, okay, love each other. All right, how am I going to love? And you begin to do. It says gather as people and serve each other. How do you, okay, I need to serve. Let's get my hands dirty. Let's go. I'm not perfect. I still got junk I'm dealing with. But in my doing, I will be blessed. In my doing, I will be blessed. Not in my sitting, not in my hearing, not in my contemplating, not in my waiting, in my doing. It's in the doing that blessing comes. So my third point is don't be 
deceived by your thoughts, thinking, I've got it all together when you do not. Don't be deceived by your self-righteous thoughts, thinking, because I go to church, I'm good. That is a lie the enemy tells us to lull us to sleep. Oh, you're all right. You're okay. Look, nobody's perfect. You're all right. Look, we're not perfect, but there has to be some type of evidence in our lives. There has to be some type of evidence that we are actually following Jesus, following him. We don't want to be deceived by self-righteousness. We want to be humbled before our God. How do you make sure you're not deceived by self-righteous thoughts? You continue to humble yourself. Every day go to the Lord and say, Holy Spirit, search me. I know there's stuff in me that, that doesn't please you. Point it out to me so I can continue to love you, continue to serve you, continue to honor you with my life. That's how you make sure you don't become self-righteous and become someone who's on a high horse thinking, I got it all figured out when you don't. Jesus can do more through a broken, humble person than he can do through a prideful, self-righteous person. So we make sure we humble ourselves before God. This is what James says in verse 26, wrapping up. If anyone thinks he is, a righteous, he is righteous, or religious, sorry. If anyone thinks he is religious, and this sense of religious is not a bad connotation. We're not like, I don't want religion, I want relationship. That's not what he's talking about here. He's saying, if you are saying, I follow God with my life, that is what it means to be religious. I submit my life to God. He says, if you think you are religious, but you don't bridle your tongue, you deceive your heart. This person's religion is worthless. Have you ever met somebody? They're, they, hey, they're down at the church, they serve, they, they're doing all the right things, but they're the most bitter, contentious person who, who's always complaining. He's saying, hey, you might think you're doing all the right stuff, but if your mouth doesn't reflect your action either, you're still jacked up. Just because you're doing all the right things does not mean that God is in you. This is why people have a hard time with James. Because they're like, well, 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 you said if, if, we have, if we are acting right, then we have faith. And if you don't have faith, then it means you're not acting right. Well, so I'll just start acting right. Well, he says, no, that doesn't count either if you don't have a heart change. If your words don't match your actions, there has to be consistency in life. Does that make sense? It's not just by doing more or doing better. If your heart is not reflected, see, the, as Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if your tongue is unbridled with bitterness and hatred and contentiousness and you, all you do is talk negatively about people, it reveals something in your heart. So it doesn't matter if you're down here vacuuming the floors or, or you're out there doing everything and trying to evangelize to people on the streets. If you still have stuff in your heart that needs to be dealt with, he says, your religion is still worthless. You cannot earn your way into heaven by doing good things. But when your heart is transformed, your life should also reflect that you are doing good works in Christ. Does this make sense? Amen. Hopefully you're not being confused. I want to make sure that you know that our desire is to live and look like Jesus. To do that, we, we, we want authenticity. If we're broken, we tell people, I'm broken. We don't put on a mask and just try to fake it till we make it. That's not who we are. 
We want authenticity. We need help. We need each other. Amen. We need each other. And so we only have that through authentic relationship. We want to have authenticity. If we're broken, tell people. If we need help, don't be so prideful that you're unable to ask for it. We want what's in our heart to be, to be reflected on the outside. This is what it means to follow him. James says this, verse 27, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit the orphans and the widows in affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. My fourth point, my last point this morning is don't be deceived by your words or actions if they don't match up. Because you can say all the right things and do all the wrong things. Or you can do all the right, do all the right things and still speak negatively and, and not encouraging and building each other up. Don't be deceived by those things. And we have so e- we're so easily deceivable by ourselves. Look, I only, I, only do, I only talk good things. I always say, bless the Lord. Oh, I'm blessed, highly favored. But you don't live in, live in any way that reflects the goodness of God in your life. You don't submit anything to Him. You deceive yourself. Or you can say, I do all the right stuff. I'm down there. I work hard. I do all these things. But you got stuff in your heart that you never want to deal with. It says you're deceiving yourself. You're lying to your hearts. Don't do it. Don't be deceived by it. Instead, let your actions and your words match up with what God has for you in your life. Those who talk the talk, who don't walk the walk, are lying to themselves. Those who walk the walk, but they don't talk the talk, deceive their hearts because they, they don't allow the Lord to, to touch those areas that they don't want Him to touch. That kind of faith is worthless. Then He gives this picture of pure religion, serving and visiting widows and orphans and keeping oneself from being stained in the world. Meaning this, that Maybe you'd say, I don't know any widows, I don't know any orphans. Well, what he's saying is visit those who are in need, who are helpless, who are powerless to change their situation. Serve others who are in desperate need of help. Do you know a single mom? I can tell you she probably needs your help. Do you know a kid who is without a mom or without a dad? They probably need some type of love and affirmation. He's saying, love those who cannot change the situation in their end and who can't do anything for you. And love them, serve them, honor them, visit them in their affliction or in their troubled times. This is what it means to follow Jesus. Then he says, being unstained from the world. I think of stains. Stains change the way things look, don't they? Sometimes accidents, right? You eat a hot dog, you get mustard all over your shirt. That shirt, that shirt is never coming back. You know, you got the mustard for life. You might as well just, you know, either wear it with pride or throw it away. You know, you can't, you can't change it. It's been stained. But also stains, they, they stain things on purpose. They stain fabrics to give it a different look, right? They'll dye it. That's a stain. What he's saying here is don't be so stained by the world that people cannot tell that you're not of the world. Don't, you want to live an unstained life so that when people look at you and they see your actions and they hear your words, they know something is different about you and they want to know the Jesus who lives in you. So you want to have a pure religion, you want to have a pure relationship with God, serve those who can't serve you back, love those who may not love you back, do the things that, that people don't want to do, go to the areas people don't want to go to and live a, a life that says I'm different than the world around me. I don't chase after the same things everyone else chases after. I don't think success is how the world defines success. I'm going to live differently. And as I live differently, the Lord 
continues to work through my life.